Hey guys, how we doing? Thank, thank you for scattered responses to me. I appreciate that. Some people are paying attention. That's all I really want. Um, so, listen. Um, for those of you, if you guys don't don't know me um, that well, if you don't know my story, it was a few years ago. And what's crazy is I was writing this. I realized it's actually quite a few years ago. Uh, I used to be homeless. And there was, there was a period of that time where I ended up living underneath a bridge um, out on the outskirts of Houston, Texas. And what's interesting is it was actually a pretty nice life, um, kind of all things considered, um, at, least, at least for a little while there. there was, I, had a, I had myself this nice tent, a little camper stove, and uh, had, you know, riverfront views, right, luxurious luxurious, man, and, uh, you know, I spent, there was, there was, there was a library, it was like five-minute walk down the road, and it was like a, this quiet, um, peaceful neighborhood, and I'd, I'd spend my days, man, I'd wake up and watch the sun rise over the river, and go make enough money for, for food and drink for the day, walk down to the library, you know, get some books, and I'd spend the rest of my day, almost every single day, all I did is I, I read, I wrote, napped, I miss naps, guys. It's like my favorite thing about being homeless is just nap whenever you want. Um, so it was, it was really, it was this very idyllic, like near perfect life for me at, at the time um, for a while. And then I got some neighbors. And yeah, even, even homeless, man, you still have neighbor problems. Uh, this, like, this, this couple moved, uh, moved. On kind of across the river from me on the other side of the of the bridge and y'all these guys were trouble this husband and wife and the uh the wife was was an addict and you know that brings with it all all of you know the dealers and the other addicts and of course the attention of the cops and the the husband was just crazy um he would if he was walking down the street and he saw a police car come past him he would like jump off the sidewalk and try to punch it just because you know why not Right, um, it seems like a great thing to do, um, and he would, he also he liked to uh, whenever he thought he made a good point, he would <laughs> smack his head against like the nearest hard surface, like as an exclamation point. Just you get really happy about what he said. Just <laughs> um, it's, it's crazy, man. And he liked to he also liked to he wanted to make sure that everyone underneath the bridge, which you know me and his wife uh, knew that. He was the big man under the bridge. He was the alpha male. And so he'd come once or twice a week. He'd come walk into my camp and just, I'm a big old man. Right, 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 right. Um, I don't want to actually say what he said <laughs> in church. Um, if you'd like a full transcript, I could talk to you later. Um, <laughs> but so it, 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 what, what happened? You know, so, of course, he brings, you know, the attention of the cops as well. Plus, he himself is dangerous. Um, and, and. What began to happen, man, was the, the good that I had, right, this kind of idyllic lifestyle, just reading and writing and napping and watching sunrises and watching the river flow, that began to be outweighed by, by the danger and, and the, just the, um, the, the only word I have in my head is gnarliness of like, that situation. Um, Mike, thank you for enjoying me. Um, so... Eventually, right, th this, this, it, it became a bad place to live and a bad way to live, um, even for my homeless standards, right? 
And for some reason, though, I never left. I just stayed there underneath that bridge for, I have no idea how long, but it, it was close to a year. I just stayed holed up in this bad situation. And I've been trying to figure out why. You know, I, for, for years now, I've been puzzling over why would I just stay there where I'm getting threatened, where, where the, the cops are constantly coming, where, you know, there's, it's, it's dangerous, people are trying to steal from me. Why would I stay there? It's not like I had a lease, right, that I couldn't break. And, it's, and, and the truth is, like, I'd been, up until this point, I'd been traveling, right? I had started out on this, like, big, grand, romantic adventure. I didn't want a routine. I didn't want to wake up in the same place two days in a row. I didn't want to deal with neighbors and, you know, all of that stuff. I wanted, I wanted this crazy, fun, novel life. That's why I was doing this. So why did I just stay here underneath this bridge? With the, the easy solution to this, right, is just pack myself up, walk 20 minutes down the river. Not that hard. And, and as, I was, as I was kind of uh, preparing for this, for this sermon and for this series that we're diving into, um, I kind of came to this, this realization. What kept me there that I was tired of kind of the absurdity and the uncertainty of my life outside the bridge because things had been crazy like leading up to it uh, there's it just just to give you like a little sample platter of of my, my adventures it's there's there was a while there where every Sunday for breakfast I would eat cow stomach with a colt um, I once got beaten up really badly because I put too much salsa on my tacos. Um, I once, and I once, I once got out of being arrested because a man named Otter knew how to play the spoons, right? Which is just like, take a moment and let all of those things sink in and then realize that they can't sink in. This just like, it's weird, man. It's, it's crazy. And it, it, this, this, it's just kind of typical of, of my life on, on the road. And it started to wear me down. I couldn't put these things together in a way that made a pattern, that made something familiar. I couldn't put these things together in a way that I could predict what was going to happen uh, going forward. I, I couldn't prepare for anything. Right? I just had to sort of sit there and take this onslaught of craziness, just ab absurdity. And realized, man, I was craving certainty. I wanted something that I could predict, something that made sense, right? Something that I could, I could understand and wrestle to the ground, something that I knew I could face and, 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 and handle and deal with, something that, just something familiar, something certain. And so I stayed underneath that bridge. I found, what I've realized then is sometimes the certainty of a bad situation is more enticing than the hope of something better, right? We're tangible people. We like what we can hold, what we can see, what we can touch and feel, right? And, and so I found these, these good moments in this bad situation, and I found this familiarity in it, and I, I didn't want to give it up, even if it meant, you know, being robbed, being arrested, being beat up. It was, it was worth having that familiarity to me because I was, I was so hungry for something certain, something familiar, something I was used to. And it seemed like 
it seems kind of stupid um, when, when you think about it, right? Like, why? Like, what's, like, yes, okay, I want something certain, but go have something certain over there, right, away from all the trouble. Go, go somewhere nicer, go somewhere better, and, and, and then, you know, kind of settle down and find that certainty you're looking for. But I wasn't willing to. I wasn't able to let go of what I had found. So I was terrified that if I let it go, I would never find it again. Right? And it turns out that this is kind of a fairly universal human trait. This is something, this is, we all do this from time to time. And, and I, here's, I, I realized that actually when I was uh, reading my Bible. Um, and, and regardless of what you believe about, you know, about God or about the Bible and what it is, what it means, all of that, regardless of all of that, we can all agree on, I mean, is there's, there's thousands of years of humanity all kind of like, like concentrated between the, the covers, right, of that book that's sitting in, in front of most of you in the pews. Thousands of years, man, of, of theology, philosophy, poetry, really weird love poetry, uh, there's, there's epics and sagas and wars and, and, and letters and biography and, and wisdom teachings. And in all of this, we can see what it was like to be, right, over the course of, of the thousands of years that the Bible was written, compiled, put together, right? We can see into the minds of, yeah, a very specific group of people. And we can kind of see into their minds, see the way they thought, the way they felt. And what's amazing is we start seeing ourselves in these people, who live in a culture and a time and a place that might as well be alien to us. It might as well be Mars, right? But we still recognize ourselves and who these people are. And so I was, I was blown away when I saw this kind of same idea, these people who were, who were so, it found it so much more enticing to hang on to the certainty of a bad situation, right, rather than, give it up and go chase after something better, right? And I want to kind of tell you this story, and we're not going to read through. It's like chapters of chapters, and no one wants to sit here and listen to me read the Bible for like an hour. So um, here's kind of the Cliff Notes version. This is, uh, this is the story of the Exodus. Uh, and here's, here's basically kind of sort of how it goes, right? There's this group of people called the Hebrews that would eventually become the Israelites, right? Which, um, if, if you know your Bible at all, you're familiar with, with the Israelites. Uh, they, were, they were enslaved by the kingdom of Egypt, right? And they did typical slave things. And one of the big things they did is they made bricks for the Egyptians. And on top of making bricks, they did what people do. They made babies. They, they, made, a, they made a lot of babies. And it got to the point their population was growing so much that uh, the Egyptians, right, were starting to get worried. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a part in the Bible where, like, if they keep growing, if they keep having babies, there's going to be more of them than there are of us. There's, we're going to have too many slaves. And, you know, they're, of course, they're terrified that then the slaves are going to rise up, revolt, take over the kingdom, right? And so Pharaoh, right, king of Egypt, Pharaoh has, has an idea. It's very simple. Let's just kill all the babies. And so they do. And it's this, there's this massacre that happens. And the Bible tells us the story of, of one child who escaped that massacre, right? That's Moses. He was put into a river, floated down the river in a basket, and uh, found by, by a member of Pharaoh's household, raised in Pharaoh's household, becomes a very high-ranking uh, official. 
right? And then actually ends up getting exiled. He has to flee Egypt because he kills a slave driver who's whipping a slave to, to death. So he gets, he gets, he runs, escapes, flees, goes out into the desert, and there he meets God. There's a really funky, very interesting experience with God that's for another sermon, but um, and God gives him a message and a job. He says, hey, I want you to take this message to Pharaoh. Tell him, it's time for my people to go. Let, right, let the Hebrews go. Their time underneath you is done. So Moses goes, and he goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, Pharaoh, God says to let all your slaves go. Uh, which you know, goes over great, right? Because, uh, no, see, Pharaoh, Pharaoh thinks that he is God, right? So Moses says this. He's like, you know, God says to let your slaves go. And Pharaoh's like, I don't remember saying that. Um, so so what, what happens after that is this, is this really cool and terrifying, like, show of power. God spends a while just kind of flexing on Pharaoh. Just like, you think you're God? You think you're great? This? Oh, how about this? How about this? And this continues to escalate and escalate and escalate. And finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, you know what? Fine. <laughs> Just let them let go. And so they're free now, right? They, they, they leave. They start walking out of the kingdom. And for some reason, somehow, Pharaoh changes his mind. He goes, you know what? Actually, it was kind of nice having all those slaves. And so he sends his army out to chase them down. And the, the, the Hebrews now are in front of this big sea. And they look behind him. There's dust on the horizon. You kind of feel the ground tremble. And then you start hearing the, the thunder, right, of Pharaoh's, like, mighty war chariots chasing him down. And they, they assume they're dead, right? Because you don't send an army out just to be polite. It's something bad is about to happen. And they're, they're, they're terrified. And what ends up happening, God, God splits the sea, right? Fishies over there, fishies over there, nice dry path right down the middle. And they walk across, and as they get to the end, you know, now Pharaoh's army's coming rushing down through the sea, and God just lets the waters collapse back in. Army dead. No one pursuing them, no one chasing them. Now, really, truly now, they're, they're free, right? Pharaoh has no more claim on them, no more ability to even try and come and get them. They're free, and they're off to go start their own nation, right? Find their own land, somewhere where not only are they not slaves, but they're in charge. And so they begin walking, and they're walking through the desert, right? This is Egypt, the Middle East, right? This is not um, great hiking climate. Uh, so as, as they're walking, you know, it, it is, it's, I'll give them this, man, it's hard, it's difficult. To, to march through the desert, and they kind of start remembering um, some of the stuff that they had back in Egypt, and uh, this is in Numbers 11.5, it's one of my favorite uh, verses, just for the goofiest reason, but, so they, uh, this is, this is the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites talking to each other, and they say, you know, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, Melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And as they start thinking about all that food that they used to have and all the food that they don't have now, they kind of start forgetting about the, the slavery and the brick making and the baby killing and the, the horrors that they had. And they, they're just kind of hungry. And, and they start actually later in this passage, they start talking like, maybe we should just go back 
Like, I'm sure he'll forgive the whole dead army thing and the whole rebellion and escape, right? He'll just welcome us back and we'll get, we'll get, our, get our food. Right? And this is what, <laughs> this, is, this is why I love this passage. It makes me, the first time I read this, I laughed out loud because these guys just, again, they just escaped their baby-killing slave drivers. And they're sitting there reminiscing about cucumbers. They're, right, I'm a vegetarian. I have never once in my life been like, you know what I could really use right now? Cucumber. I'd go to jail for a cucumber. This is, right, it's just, it's just silly, right? But, but like I said, we're tangible people. We like what we can see and hold and feel and touch and eat. Um, and, and it's, it's we, we feel the lack of something that we had much more than we feel the, the promise of something better to come, right? Naturally, this is what we naturally do. It's just a part of who we are as people. It's so much easier to cling to the good things that we have, even, you know, even if they're in a bad situation, it's so easy to cling to the good things that we have rather than setting them aside for something, you know, potentially better. Now, here's kind of my point here, is we all have our cucumbers. We all have things that we're afraid of, of setting aside or letting go. We all have good things that kind of blind us to what else is going on around us, right? Now, like, like for, for, for example, this, we, can, we can find ourselves in, in a job, and it's a good job, it's a decent job, it's fine. But there's, there's an opportunity maybe to go start a new business or to, or to switch careers, switch fields, go chase after something that we've, we've, we've been passionate about our whole lives and finally have the chance to do. And we look at that opportunity and we look at what we have now and we start thinking about rent and food and, and, and uh, whatever it is adults pay money for, I don't actually know. Um, uh, too old to not know that, but hey, so, you know, it's, it's, we, it's other things too. It's, we'll find ourselves, um, you know, in, in, in sort of a, not a great relationship with, 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 with a family member, with a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, with a friend, with whatever, like it's, it's, it's okay, but it could be better. But in order to chase after that something better, now we have to put ourselves out in front of them. We have to risk losing the, the good parts of that relationship that we have and, hope that it results in a better relationship. It's, it, it, the, the list can go on and on and on. One of the things that I'm, I'm really, one of my cucumbers, right? One of my cucumbers is, is my, my street cred. Um, it's my reputation with, with the travel kids, the, the, the punk rockers and, and all of them, um, the gutter punks. And I'm terrified. Y'all, that as, as, I, as I, I continue to, like, preach and be a pastor and work in the church, that I'm going to walk up to a group of people who are part of a scene that I've been a part of for years and years and years, part of my identity. I'm going to walk up to them and be like, hey, what's up, guys? Just like, as punks do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm terrified of losing that connection to, the, to, to, a, to a scene, to a style, to a, a, a form of art, and, and to this, this life experience that I've had. I'm terrified of losing that. And it can keep me from diving in deeper here in the church, right? Um, take a very pastory 
example, man, these, we have these good things in our life, and so often they blind us to what, what else is going on around us. Now, we're starting a new series. We're calling it Control-B, right? Because what, what does Control-B do on your, on your computer, right? It makes things bold. And that's what we want to do over the coming weeks. We want to make y'all bold. Um, and there's, I, I feel a little offensive saying that. It's like, oh, uh, y'all are you know, scaredy cats and whatever. I, I mean bold in a very, very specific kind of way. I mean, I mean, I want us to be bold in that we're embracing the uncertain, right? I want us to be bold that we're, we're willing to set aside the cucumbers, right, if we have to, and, and face a world without having that tangible good thing right there just for a while as we move towards something better. And here's why I think this is so important for us here in, 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 at Colorado Life Church and in Evergreen is, y'all, we're in Evergreen. This is nice. Like, look outside. Even with the cloudy, kind of rainy weather, it's beautiful. And we, we've all got, I mean, look, if you live in Evergreen, you probably have a pretty nice home. Probably. I haven't been to all of your homes. I don't know. But, see, we, 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 we have this very comfortable, very settling life. And it's very easy for us to think, yeah, we made it. We did it. Kids have a nice place to sleep and all the food they need. They have good schools. We, I can, we, we get to go chase after what, what, whatever it is we feel like doing. We want to go hiking, mountain biking, skiing, whatever. You can do that. You want to – what else do people in Evergreen do? <laughs> um, it's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, right, it's so easy to feel like we're, we, we've made it. We're done. Like this is what – this is the pinnacle of life, man. And the truth is we believe here at, at CLC, we believe we're made for more than just a comfortable life. And I think a lot of us feel that, too. Like when, when we think about what we want to be, most of us, the word that comes to mind is usually not comfortable. Right? If someone asks you, hey, what, if you could just, if you could have one, one quality of, you, of your life just instantly change, very few people are going to be like, yeah, I'd just like to be more comfortable. Right? I'd like a bigger house. It's, we, we tend to talk, we talk about things like, I, I wish I was more courageous, or I wish I was more adventurous, or I wish I was, I was smarter, or, or wiser, or, right, right we, want, we want not things, when we're asked this, we want qualities, we want, we want to be improved, we want to move forward, right, not, not, not materially, right, but, but emotionally, spiritually, and, well, we can have that. Right, we can have that, and we can have this through, and this is where, you know, let's, we're in church, so let's talk to the Christians, man. This is where the God that we serve, the God that we're, um, that we worship, that we follow, right, that we're chasing after, this is a God who not only uses slaves to build nations, right, he uses boys to kill giants. Are y'all, I mean, are y'all aware, you're familiar with, with the story of, story of David? Right, David and Goliath, Sunday school story, right? David was, this is something I, I always miss when I read this. David was, he's a teenager, 13, 14, 15, right? He's probably, a, probably about Trevor's age back there. Say hi, Trevor. Thank you. He's probably about his age. And his brothers are off at war, and he goes to, to bring him some supplies. Um, 
Because I guess that's how it worked back then. And he goes and, and he sees this, this giant standing across from, from his, his nation's army, mocking him. And with all the teenage bravado you could possibly imagine, David's just like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> Me and God, we got this. And he did. He killed a giant with a rock. This little 14-year-old boy kills a giant with a rock just because he was willing to, right? This is the God that we serve. And as long as we're willing to trust that God, right, as long as we're willing to leave our cucumbers behind and go face our giants, we will see marvelous, miraculous, cool, fascinating, interesting, majestic things happen in us and through us. It's what God does, all right? Now, listen, there's, there's a lot of stuff in, in this sermon that like, we're going to unpack in the coming weeks, right? We have to talk about the difference between boldness and foolishness. We have to talk about you know, uh, why we should trust God, how we trust God, what that looks like, what that feels like, right? And, and just, just a million other things that, that kind of come as a part of this idea of, of living bold lives, right? But my goal, my goal today isn't to explain all of that. I kept trying when I was writing this. Guys, last night I preached through a draft of this sermon. It was an hour and a half long. <laughs> and so I've just been slashing it mercilessly for hours. And so my, my, my goal is not to explain everything about boldness today. My, my, my goal is to get you guys to start asking questions. I want you all to start thinking about, hey, man, what, what are your cucumbers? What are you afraid of? Of losing, right? And what are your giants? What are the things in your life that you have to go face? Right? Again, we all have these things. Every single one of us in this room has something in our lives that we're afraid of losing. Every single one of us here has something in our lives that we need to face. This is just a part of life. This is a part of living. And I want you guys to think about what those things are in your life. And I want you to kind of hold them in your mind, to stay aware of them. I want you to spend, that's what I want you to do this week, man, is just is think through. What is it, man? What are your cucumbers? What are your giants? See, if we're, if we can do this, man, if we, if we do this, and we're going to do this, along, I'm doing this alongside you guys. Like, as I'm writing the, these, these sermons, as I'm working with, with Nathan to, where'd he go, whatever, Nathan, there he is, to, to write this series, right, we're, we're, we're doing this alongside you guys. This is, this is an exercise for all of us. This ain't something I figured out, man. And if you'll do this alongside us, man, this is the first step towards being that guy that slays giants, right? It's the first step to being that gal that, 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 that forges nations. It's the first step towards a, a great life. And see, if, if, if you will do this alongside us, man, if you will, you'll find the things you're afraid of leaving behind, the things you're afraid of facing or the things that you need to face, they're, they're going to scare you less and less and less, right? Not only will we live bolder lives if we do this together, man, not only will we live bolder lives, we'll live freer lives, lives that are more meaningful, lives that are more impactful, right? Lives that change us and people around us, lives that can change the world. We, we, we say this often here at CLC, we believe this group of people is a group of people who can, and if we have our way with you, will 
change the world. So I want you all, man, I want you guys to, to come with us as, as we explore this. I, I, I really do hope, man, you spend some time thinking, being a little introspective. I know it's not this, it's this really cool, happy action point. It's like, like, go out and do something. No, I just want you to go home and think. But that leads to, guys, what that leads to is something that we, we cannot just pass up. It's something we can't afford to miss out on. And again, all I can do today is, is, is set, make you guys ask questions. I don't have answers for you. And I did that on purpose. So I want you to come back. I want you to find the answers to those questions with us as, as Nathan and I. I keep pointing at Tori. She's not Nathan. Nathan and I explore and discover what, what being bold means as, as we walk alongside you guys in that. So in just a second here, man, I'm, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. You guys are going to go home. Please, please, please ask questions. Think about your life, man. What are you afraid of losing? What are you afraid of facing? What do you need to face? And y'all, as a church, like, let's, let's go forge nations, man. Let's go slay some giants. Sing. Let's pray.